Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast that is today about everything spooky, ooky, kooky, and creepy. Jillian, I don't think we're alone in here because calling from inside the house is fantasy artist Anna Victoria Esquivel, whose makeup and special effects work you may have seen in TV and movies like Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, the Chucky TV series, and Hocus Pocus 2. Welcome, Anna. Welcome. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me here. We are thrilled to have you here. We're actually we're doing the thriller dance. We're so happy. <laughs> we're, we're out of our gourds. <laughs> uh, we, we have so many questions for you about what it was like to work on Hocus Pocus 2 and maybe get some at-home makeup tips for Halloween. But before we get into all of that, let's go to the cemetery and dig up what's making us feel spooky this Halloween. Oh, well, first, um, the fact that it's raining today. Yay. It never <laughs> rains in LA. The second it was September 1st, or as I call it, Halloween the 1st, uh, <laughs> I pulled out all my fall decorations that they're very minimal, but I already did that yesterday. So that's definitely making me feel spooky. And also super random, but just listening to the band Ghost, because I recently kind of started doing some work for them, oh, uh, awesome. which I oh, cool. cannot say what it is, but I'm like, oh, like, how come I had never really listened to their music? And they have like this whole like lore behind them. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely very spooky. Well, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Ghost is a really cool looking group. I mean, talk about like oh, yeah. he heavy on the makeup and costume design. I actually, yes. I, now that you say that, I'm like, I've seen their stuff all over, but I haven't taken the time to listen to the music. I think possibly because the aesthetic is so creepy <laughs> <laughs> that I'm like bracing myself for something like really spooky to listen to. But I need to check that out. You mentioned Halloween decorations. And so I wanted to actually do a quick shout out to one of my favorite Halloween decorations of the season. And it's sort of more of a send off. And that is to say rest in peace to the Bony Bunch. That is Yankee Candles ceramic skeletons. They had this design. It's been 16 years of creepily cradling our candles. <laughs> I, back in the day, would go to the store for their Halloween parties. They would uh, launch on like the last weekend of August and there'd be a line out there. Your the bony door. head. Yeah. And, you know, I wish I could say like they went out with a bang, but it really was more of a whimper. Oh, no. <laughs> it was one of those things where over the years, the quality declined and like the paint wasn't as good. The designs weren't as clever. And so as much as I love this decoration, I think it was time to lower them into the grave. Uh <laughs> but the fanfare was really popping for them. So yeah, right when they hit their peak, they took them away. I would not say they were, they were at their peak. Right maybe now. I'm just living in an alternate. <laughs> maybe I'm living in a different universe. Because, or maybe because you talk about it so much during the the. That, it's probably that, Julian. It, it has to be that. It's, really, it's I thought there was some following. I thought there was. Oh, there's absolutely a huge following. But like every like the last few years, like it's basically everyone commiserating, being like, "Oh my goodness, the designs are so terrible this year." <laughs> wow, what I happened to our old bonies? I thought I was having a revival of sorts. Yeah, you know, I, was, so, I was dead wrong. No, you were dead wrong, and and. While the collection was nothing to die for the last few years, for most of their run, they were such a wonderfully strange addition to Yankee Candle stores. It was like somebody set their goth niece loose in there and she, <laughs> and she just like drew on everything. So I have cherished memories of the Bony Bunch. Rest in peace. Well, that's Aww. really sad. Does it, do they have one more last installment? No, this is it. You know, I will say, though, when I looked up just to see, because because I'm such a collector and I'm like, what's the value of my ceramic pieces of crap? I was like on eBay, <laughs> like looking up the prices and the really great vintage ones. I'm using the word vintage very loosely here. Like the oldest one, again, is only 16 years old. But some of the ones that like really had nice flocking and they had really clever designs, they're very affordable still. Cheaper than when if you had bought them new. So check out the Bony Bunch on eBay and go get yourself one of the great old bony bunch figurines 
Wow, that's depressing. <laughs> yeah, because maybe depressing. in maybe it's in a celebration years, of life. <laughs> maybe like in five years they'll be like three hundred dollars each. You know? I, I mean, I, I hope so. I hope so. And I can then they can retire yeah. early off my bony bunch. Yeah, earnings. Matt will. I'll never hear for him again. He'll be right in high in his bony money. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, also full disclosure, we're recording September, so I'm looking ahead, and what I'm excited about is going to. Disney, because we have to go to Anaheim with my partner. So we thought, okay, we'll stop by Disney. And I've only been to Disney once before in the fall, a few years ago for work, and it was a lot of fun. And just how festive it is. But I'm looking forward to the treats because they're just so elaborate. And even though I don't like sweets, I like to look at them. I wish they had spooky mozzarella sticks or maybe some (laughs) spooky veggie tenders. Be the change you want to see in the world, Julian. You got to bring those into (laughs) something, something savory for me, some baby food for me. But I am excited about their pumpkin ale hard float, which is pumpkin ale with maple ice cream and seasonal garnish. That's at Disney California Adventure Park. And there's this really cute pumpkin chai cream puff and pumpkin shaped. And it's, it's pretty I think it's pretty cute. Uh, it's filled with pumpkin chai mousse and white chocolate crunchy pearl. And that's at the Jolly Holiday Bakery Cafe. So it, they have this website where all of the, you can see all the different treats for us cup coming for the season. And there's, of course, their elaborate candy apples and the oogie boogie stuff. And I just like looking at it and maybe I'll just keep it as a, maybe a bony collection, some, <laughs> some, some of my candy apples. I know guys, it's hard to eat them because they look so cute. Yes, that's the worst. Like yesterday, I saw these cookies and they had like this puppy in it. I was like, I'm not going to eat a dog. Who eats a dog? I can't. Kim Joy, I think she came out with a, I read the name of the book, but it's all about cats and baked goods. And it's this whole cookbook and they're so cute. One of them actually has sprinkles in the tiny oh i've bowl. seen i've seen that where you break it open and then the the poop sprinkles come out right i know matt's been dying for oh those my poop God. sprinkles <laughs> so but i could i could i could see myself not wanting to eat those they're so cute but i want the cat cookbook and i want to eat all the disney treats or at least taste them it's honestly even better just to want to look at them at yeah. Disneyland because everything's so expensive. Oh my God, yeah. It's more affordable just to admire them. I want to go anywhere that's called the Jolly Holiday Bakery Cafe. I know. Well, all the downtown, I don't know if it's called downtown Disney. I think it is, right? Yeah, that's, California. that's right. Because mm-hmm. the other one in Florida is Disney Springs. But then you have a whole nother set of treats because they yes. have their, their own things. And there's just so much to take in and manage. So that could be overwhelming, but I'll report back. One of my most unhinged moments was trying to get a Madame Leota from the Haunted Mansion Funko Pop that was exclusive to Disneyland. And so I drove up to Anaheim just to try to get this Funko Pop. It was one of my lowest, the lowest moments of my life. I didn't even get it. It was a, it was a total waste oh of time. Your villain origin story. <laughs> Matt, I loved that you gave some really solid financial advice right here because you said admiring things from afar is always a cheaper alternative. And yes. I'm going to take that to the grave, like for real. That's how I'm going to start living my life. Advice I need to follow more often because I have, <laughs> Same. I have a rotted collector brain. And hence my, you know, my Magic the Gathering habit. I have these like <laughs> this collection of Godzilla cats, all these random things. And at the end of the day, you get it. And then it just sits around and it's the thrill of the hunt. It's the thrill of the hunt. So, yes, <laughs> I like the thrill. I don't. Yeah. It's less about the hunt. It's just the immediate gratification that goes away immediately. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so as you mentioned, Anna is a fantasy artist, both in illustration, makeup and special effects. And you've had an amazing career, but we want to take you back to the beginning. If you can kind of give us a little bit of a foundation. When did you know you wanted to create characters that are magical and monstrous? Well, I would say since the beginning of my life, I never knew that the way that I would get to do that was through the makeup effects industry. But I always have been creating characters by myself. When I was a little kid, I started drawing and painting when I was like two years old. Like the second I learned how to coordinate my hands, the first thing I wanted to do was draw and paint. Because, you know, like kids just went in color for fun, just go crazy. 
I honestly had like a weird discipline for like how little I was because I remember asking the adults in my family, especially like my grandma who used to draw and paint very well as a hobby. I used to ask her like, teach me how to make this look more real. You know, like I was obsessed with like realism and like how can I do this better and better and better. And then all throughout growing up like in elementary school and high school later on, I was always known as like that kid who drew and painted. I was like the art kid in the class. It was a little challenging where I grew up because I, so people know I'm Panamanian. I'm from Panama. I lived there most of my life for like 27, 28 years. And then I moved to LA to pursue the makeup effects career full time. But being in Panama, it was a little challenging being an artist because the country is not a place where there's like a big art industry yet. You know, it's a pretty new country. It's focused more on traditional professions. And so I always, like with my best friend, who was like my partner in crime in everything fantasy, we would always be like doing our own comics, creating our own stories, our own characters. I remember, this is so stupid. I remember when Neopets was a thing. Oh my, oh my I was goodness, like, Neopets. Love. Big Neopets I was like fans. brutally obsessed with Neopets to the point where I learned how to code HTML when I was eight years old. Mm. And I would spend like all night long, like, doing like the websites for the neopets and coming up with this huge backstory for like each one of them and just you know completely like i have no friends this is what i do and then i don't know it's just been a theme throughout my life that i've been a huge fan of fantasy and a huge fan of creating characters creating worlds creating stories and telling them in a way that means something to people and I don't know, it just, it's been with me my whole life. Like, I don't remember ever not doing art. That's amazing. I love the part of you asking your your grandma how to help you make things look more realistic. I think it's interesting to hear everyone's pr- different perspectives on art and how it led to you exactly to your profession today. I mean, that's such an amazing origin story. <laughs> just to see, hear you talk about the timeline is really special and cozy and Speaking of cozy, what is the coziest parts of your artistic process? What do you what do you like the most about it? Well, I think that the coziest part of doing what I do for sure is the fact that I'm like a very anxious person and I'm very stressed all the time. But the only complete break that I get from being in that overthinking state is when I'm sitting down and I'm actually doing something, that complete concentration, you enter almost like a meditation type state where you're only thinking about the art that you're doing and about just really concentrating to get it right. And hours can go by and you're not really stressing about anything else you're just like present in the moment which you know for especially for our generation it's a little hard because we have become so accustomed to like getting distracted like on our phones on social media we rarely are like fully 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 present in the moment with what we're doing right in front of us and I think that art is like the best and most streamlined way for me to be able to do that and that that feeling is like the coziest feeling in the world Because I think like that's how we're supposed to feel all the time, except we just somehow like forgot how to like be present. A hundred percent. Yeah. That that meditative state that you can get into when you're just focusing on a single task. And not only that, but like the gratification of coming out of that, like kind of hours of focus. And then you've made something like you can look back and like that time was spent and I created something that didn't exist before I did that. It's so gratifying for the body and the soul to do that kind of work. Yeah, we had experience when we were doing diamond art, which is you take the little tweezers and you put the diamonds, the gems. Anna, I think you're right that like, you know, there's so many distractions and there's so much stuff expected from all of us on a daily basis, all the little things that we have to do. Um, There's so much, it's so fatiguing, all these decisions that in the modern world to make all day that it's it's such a release just to focus on one thing and then have an outcome with it. Well, speaking of the the process of design, 
so we know that it's cozy to create, right, and be in those moments. But I'm curious, like, when you are designing and doing that work, what parts do you find the most challenging and why? If you're talking about creating, it's a very challenging time to create something that is new, refreshing, and hasn't been done before. Because we are in an era of oversaturation of content. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very challenging to come up with something that can really, really have your own footprint on it and know that you're not going to go out there and see like five other people made the same exact monster or use the same exact uh, paint scheme. It's very difficult. And thankfully for, for me, I had a great opportunity to learn from a wonderful designer the first job that I had in the industry, I was working as the studio manager and assistant of the artist that did the character design for Avatar. Like he decided oh, awesome. wow. how the, yeah, he he's really sensitive. Like he decided how the Navi were going to look like. He decided what the creatures in the world were going to look like. And just from being present in his classes, because he he teaches classes, hearing like how he spoke to his students or how he approached design, I really learned how to go back to the basics of like what makes a good design. So thankfully that has helped me navigate those challenges. It's like a, a balance of knowing to draw reference because we all do, every artist does since the beginning of times, like even Michelangelo will look at humans to see how their muscles looked when he was sculpting. Like nobody doesn't look at reference, okay? So like <laughs> people that say like, it was completely from my own imagination. I'm like, no, you, you've seen a tree before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I think there's a challenge there in like how to look at reference, but then how to put your own like heart into it and then have people see how that made it different. I think that's like the, the hardest part. And that's very true for writing too, because you're you're taking in so much stuff on a daily basis. You're reading other articles and, and whatnot. And so in, in, in my world of being a managing editor, what I see a lot is that writers will, you know, maybe read, you know, a specific writer a lot and they'll internalize it. And there's a balance between the reference point, which you have to have, you have to have, like you said, some mm -hmm. sort of reference versus making it your own and trying to find that happy medium. So it's it's really a tightrope, what you're describing. And I can yes. imagine that, yes. You're absolutely right that we we draw from those references all the time, but it's it's that body of work that over time, step-by-step, step, the originality I think emerges from those points of inspiration into something new. So, but we all definitely start with that place of just emulating the things that inspired us and wanting to put something similar out into the world until that kind of comes out into an original place. But yes, you're right. We've, we've all seen a tree. <laughs> yeah, we've all seen a tree. Come on. <laughs> I like that as a bumper sticker. Um, so throughout your really impressive career, you've worked with so many different spooky characters and, and monsters. And I personally find monsters very cozy for this fact that they're often misunderstood. And yes, I'm out of, out of that. I'm wondering what is your coziest monster or character to, to you or at least your favorite oh my god so this monster is not cozy at all but for me it is because of what it meant for me as a person who who eventually became like a monster maker the xenomorph from the alien franchise mm. so i'm obsessed with the xenomorph because i think that hr giger or geiger how do you pronounce his last name i i don't know either that those you know people so, aren't saying hr know, giger uh, very often yeah exactly <laughs> you know it's like it, at the coffee shop like can i have an hr giger classic? you don't do that so no. Anyway, the thing is that that creature is cozy for me because, oh my God, this is so weird. When I was a little kid, I could have been 40 years old, five years old. So my grandma, again, she's such an important character in me being an artist. My grandma has always been a huge uh, fan of fantasy and science fiction and just like anything that's like horror. And she, I would spend so much time with her as a kid because obviously my parents were working so I would just live in her house and she would show me all these horror movies that like were definitely not for kids. But you know what? 
it's Latin America. That's how we're raised. It's really <laughs> funny. Like I was like, you know, four years old watching Alien. And for some reason, just the mere fact that I had such an early exposure to that stuff made me never be scared of it. It actually made me think it was really cool. So I remember when the following Alien movie started coming out as a little kid, I was so obsessed with their anatomy because I had this obsession with insects. Like I really liked insects as a kid. I liked observing them. I had all these little plastic insect toys. That creature is so insect-like in some way that I just thought it was so interesting like how it looked. And I would ask my parents to buy me all the toys from Alien that came out. And I had like all these aliens and with my brother who was two years, he's two years younger than me. So we're very close in age. We'd make all these like mazes with like blankets and pillows and we'll play. We were inside the ship and like the aliens would like jump at us. And so every time I look at Alien, the, the xenomorph, I'm like, oh, my childhood, you know, and I know <laughs> a lot of girls would be like, no, Barbies. But for me, it was like, oh, like the xenomorph. And I think... <laughs> I think that creature is definitely misunderstood because it's just an animal trying to eat, you know, it's hungry, it's hungry, there's no steak in space, you know, like he he can go to McDonald's, like he just, you know, there's a ship full of people, he wants a little (laughs) snack, you know, it's not not evil. (laughs) This Barbie has acid blood. Are we the same person? Because I had the exact same, like, early fascination with, with aliens because... My mom let me watch that movie really young. In fact, I remember a conversation because I was in elementary school and I remember a conversation with one of my best friend's moms. And she was like, she was aghast when she found out that I had seen Alien. She was like, you let him watch that? And I'm like, yeah, I have all the toys. Clearly kids were watching it because they made, it was a whole toy line after Aliens came out. My favorite thing was that they were all themed around animals. And so they would like reinterpret the aliens around like, this is the bull alien. This is the snake alien. But my my favorite of all time was is the queen design from the second movie, because um, she has all yes. those like like that amazing head that's like a crown. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just, yeah she's just, she's yeah stunning. <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a friend who worked on that. Literally, he worked on sculpting the. I think he sculpted the feet of the queen. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not he, fit to even kiss the queen's feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he it's such a random thing. Like when you work in my line of work, mm-hmm. there's always random stories like that. Like, oh yeah, this guy sculpted the butt of a dinosaur in Jurassic <laughs> Park. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just <laughs> we have such a weird job. <laughs> I love that. I, I love that answer. I mean, but you've worked with a lot of different like monster celebrities. Tell us a little bit about like your work with some of those stars like Chucky. Oh my god. So yeah, so earlier I was telling Matt and Jillian that. I technically am Chucky's hairdresser. (laughs) It's such a weird thing to say, but it's technically true because in the Chucky TV series that I think it was launched in 2021, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, the the Chucky TV series, which by the way, is actually really good because I saw it because obviously like when you work on something, you want to see like how, you know, it Mm -hmm. came out. It's actually really funny. It's really well made and it's been pretty successful. Like it has a huge fan base. So I'm very happy about that. But during the three seasons that have been made so far, I have been the person that has cut and styled his wigs because, you know, Chucky is always being burned, dragged through the mud, exploded, stabbed. Like, those wigs go bad. So you have to... You have to make a bunch of them so that they can, you know, keep getting replaced throughout the show. So, yeah, it was it was really fun. I also did, a, a, like, a few other different things for the show as well. But that's how I asked to be credited, just because I thought it was, like, a funny thing, you know? <laughs> like, I, I used to, before I did this, I did used to work in, like, the more corporate world for like a while in my 20s and i think it's just funny to come from the cubicle to saying i'm chucky's hairdresser so i just <laughs> oh, you know. a thousand percent how, <laughs> how was chucky was chucky a diva was he easy to work with as i say oh my god he is such a diva he is so hard to work with there was one day and my co-workers know this is true there was one day 
that Chucky hit me in the head with a <laughs> screwdriver and it actually I it actually created like an open wound and I was bleeding and I was just running around screaming like oh my god Chucky just like stabbed me in the head with a screwdriver and this is this is true because mm. Basically, we're, we're like opening a mold because we have to make molds for everything. We're opening a mold, and I'm pretty sure inside the mold was something to do with Chucky's head. And I was trying to unscrew like the screws that were putting the mold together, and it was so tightly like shut that the screwdriver kind of started spinning on itself, and I went flying on my head. So <laughs> Chucky's I, revenge. I started <laughs> Chucky's, and, yeah, there's nobody has ever worked for Chucky that hasn't been like slightly hurt in the process in some shape or form and it's kind of like a joke but it's also really funny we like saying that he's a diva and he's hard <laughs> to work with but actually in reality you know it's it's hard work but I think the experience altogether was very enjoyable and it's definitely something that I look back at you know like such a, a cool job that I was able to be a part of and the people that I worked with were also really cool so I don't know. It's just funny how the doll itself, like, you can't work with him without him putting some kind of attitude, even if he's, like, an <laughs> inert thing that's technically mm -hmm. not alive. So that's that's a little, like, inside joke thing we have. <laughs> yeah, not many people can say they survived or running with Chucky, so you're very lucky. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> totally. He can't get rid of me because then his hair is going to look like shit. So <laughs> he needs That's the only like... reason you're alive today. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Do you have any pictures with Chucky? Any selfies? I am pretty sure I have like one. So I have this thing where like in my work environment, everything's an NDA. And by the way, everything True. I'm saying here, I'm allowed to say because mm -hmm. it's nothing that's compromising any secret of anything mm -hmm. that's going to come out. But I have a habit of, of like really not taking pictures while I'm working unless it's something that I have asked about. Like, can I take this picture? Because it's very delicate. Sense. You don't, you can get into really bad trouble if even a picture comes out or, or just like if, if, you know, if a supervisor is walking around or any of your coworkers and they see you snapping a picture of something that's like super classified, mm -hmm. even if you're not sharing that picture, just the act of taking the picture is frowned upon. Right. So I normally don't do it. What I do is that when the show comes out and my bosses or, or the person in charge of the show starts posting the pictures that they took, then I repost them. You know, yeah. or if I have to take a picture for continuity for myself, because I have to have like references for, for continuity, then I am allowed to do it. But I just try not to take too many pictures while I'm working because of <laughs> the nature of the industry. Yeah. yeah. And Chucky's lawyers are very. Yeah. Very oh, litigious. yeah. 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 <laughs> Chucky's lawyers are like spirits from the other side. So you don't want to mess with those. No. Guys. Yeah. No. <laughs> So for our listeners, I mean, you are obviously doing special effects and makeup for the stars, but for those of us at home, what are your top tips for creating Halloween costumes and makeup at home? So if you're ever curious about learning how to do really cool, like just even just prosthetic application, you know, you don't have to make the prosthetic, you can buy it at a store or on Amazon and just want to learn how to apply it to yourself. There's this one website that has a myriad of classes online. I think you only pay like 20 bucks a month and then you can ask, access a bunch of their classes. And they are really, really, really detailed and good courses about how to do different things that have to do with the whole world of makeup effects. It's called the Stan Winston School and it's totally online. So if you ever wanted to learn, like, how can I apply a prosthetic on myself? Like they have a class there and it's going to be way better than a YouTube video. Then obviously, you know, there's always the YouTube videos and, and the TikTok videos. I'm not, I'm, I don't even have a TikTok, so I don't understand <laughs> the TikTok world very well. So I cannot say uh, anything of that sort. But I do know that for costume wise, there's a community of people that I extremely admire because I think that what they do is insane, which is the cosplayers. Those guys, they sell patterns on Etsy where you can like buy patterns of like how to make this like cape or whatever. And they also have a ton of videos on YouTube. So I would say if you want to learn anything regarding costume making or prop making, Definitely pay attention to the cosplayers out there because those kids are like 12 and they're making like these like Academy Award winning looking costumes and it blows my mind. 
And if you want to learn how to do like makeup stuff that's more like in the prosthetic side, definitely Stan Winston School. And also, if you just want to learn of like face painting, basically, I think YouTube itself is just like a really good tool for that. There are so many tutorials out there. I would definitely advise people for sure. Like if if you can, like you don't have to buy like super, super high end stuff because like our, our makeup is super expensive. Like every time I have to buy three little bottles, it's like $200 and I'm like crying. <laughs> but you know, it's it's just how it is. But I would definitely say that you are definitely going to achieve very different results if you buy paints from a brand like Ben Nye, which is mm. not going to be the most expensive thing in the world, but it's also not going to be the little wax stick makeup thing that you're going to get at a Halloween store, which is mostly just going to look bad no matter what. And then you're going to feel like, like, oh, why does my work always look bad? Like maybe upscaling just a little bit and getting something a little better like Ben Nye or anything that would sell at a makeup store is going to make your makeup look better for sure and maybe last longer and all that. That's good to know because I, I'm always wondering, like, it, can I get what I want from like, because you know that like the Halloween stores have those little palettes of like yeah. uh, face paint or whatever, and then you yeah. put it on and yeah. it's like, this is dire. So your skin's it's burning. Yes. Skin's exactly. And it's, also, it's, you don't know what's in it. Yeah. That's, that's, the part that <laughs> that's the scariest part, the spookiest part. Yes. It's almost like, you know, it's like if you are trying to make a realistic portrait with crayons. There's only <laughs> so far you're going to get, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's right. kind of how I put it. We'll, we'll put the links into the show notes for the Stan Winston studio. And then... Yeah, um, by the way, I don't work for them. I'm just, like, saying this for the people. No, no, because it's some genuinely, uh, like... <laughs> unsolicited, you know, that, that that's how yeah. you know it's good. And then what was the brand? Is Ben Nye? How, how do you spell that? It's B-E-N-N-Y-E. Okay, perfect. All right. So uh, listeners, we will put that in the show notes for you so you can, when you're planning to do your costume this year, kick it up a notch. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of costumes, I know when we were chatting earlier, you say that you pretty much pulled them together last minute, which is totally my jam as well. Do you have any ideas for what you might do this year? And if not, what's one of your favorite Halloween costumes from years past? This year, it's going to be a little interesting for me. I'm a little bummed that I'm not going to be like in LA for Halloween. So like, I'm not going to spend it with my partner and like, I'm not going to probably go to the school event that I wanted to go, but I am going to be doing something very, very spooky, which is filming a horror film out of state during the probably Ooh. last week of October to first weeks of November. And I think that that's a very like intrinsically Halloweeny thing to do. Oh, it's absolutely. just being shooting yes. a horror I mean, film. It doesn't get better than that. It, it doesn't. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and then regarding costumes from year past, there's one that that I wore myself, which is the year that the second It movie came out, like the the newer one, not the Tim Curry one. The year that the second movie came out, they were doing like this clown screening in Alamo Draft House in downtown LA and everybody had to come dress as a clown. And I had just, just met my boyfriend and we had just started being together. And like he, so he's a very, very, very spooky, like cozy <laughs> thing. My boyfriend is a creature actor. So he plays monsters. He's like a Doug Jones, basically. Wow. Like. That's so our jobs really complement each other yeah. because he <laughs> he he gets his makeup from people like me and I get to work on people like him and so like we're like together in this crazy so world. So cozy. So it's super cozy. I like it's really cool to have like a partner in crime in that kind of thing that you can do makeups on all the time and it's just you know it's really fun. So the thing is we wanted to super kill it and be like the coolest clowns and whatever. And so I was like, I am going to go the extra mile. And I talked to a friend of mine who's a seamstress. And I made this like illustration of this really old like French clown, those ones that are black and white with these really poofy sleeves and whatever. And I sculpted, molded and cast and painted a mask for it. Like I, I made my own like Venetian mask almost from scratch. And I have this friend made this costume like from scratch and it's the coolest clown costume like ever. It's all black and white. It's very spooky. People were super happy like when they saw us and stuff. And 
the director of the movie was there, which was really random. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting Andy Muschetti to be there. And he was like totally there. And he's like, hi. <laughs> and that was definitely a memorable one. And then there was one year. I was kind of sad because this year was super dead year. But in 2020, I did a makeup on it's. I worked more on my boyfriend's costume than on mine. But I turned him into Baron Afanas from What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, awesome. The, the TV show, yeah, not yeah. the movie. And he looked exactly like him. And it was really, really hilarious, like how the resemblance was like spot on. He's like a Nosferatu he, looking vampire. Yes, yes. And he like, and now he dresses Nadja, which is like the female vampire <laughs> that lives in the house with him. So that was a super fun one. And I'll always love that we did that. Those are great costume ideas. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Obviously, you'll be on set, but hopefully you'll have a little bit of time and space to dress a bit. Yes, hopefully. (laughs) So before we let you go, you know, we're huge Hocus Pocus fans. And so tell us everything and anything that you can, obviously, about working on Hocus Pocus 2. Yes, it was very like, last minute and out of nowhere I basically had just finished a job and I was immediately looking for my next job and they had already started pre-production on Hocus Pocus 2 but the studio that did it is the same studio that does Chucky Mm. so because I already had an existing relationship with them as soon as my job ended I hit them up I was like hey guys do you have anything going on do you need me and they're like yeah sure we're very busy right now come on over we need painters So I go there and the second I walk into the studio, there's like a ton of like, you know, like the book. Mm -hmm. There's like, there's like dozens of them, like all (laughs) around the studio, like so many of them. And I'm like, like, why are there so many, like the book? Like, why? (laughs) What's going on? This is crazy. And, you know, like in the movie, like they go into a gift shop and they have like all these souvenirs from like, you know, like the first movie. Like that's what they were for. Like Ah, we were painting a ton of books that were like the merch that was going to be displayed in the store, the the gift store that they walk into. And so we were also making a lot of like little ornaments with like the candle, the cap, like Mm -hmm. all the things. So that was like, that was a lot of work because we had to create merch for an entire gift store that was in the movie but that was not cg merch we actually had to make it did, did anyone so, get to keep any of that or did the studio, keep, did that the studio keep it all you know i none of my co-workers i don't think so like i like i definitely have a a, a rap t-shirt with mm. like billy Boaster's son on the whole thing that says like <laughs> hocus pocus to crew and like that's really cool but no, like the all the merch that that all that stuff is very sensitive, especially when you work with Disney. Everything's like extremely Makes like sense. super like you can't touch anything. It's it's how how Disney operates, and I totally get that. But I think the coolest thing for me in that show, honestly, which was like a huge full circle moment because I'm such a big fan of Doug Jones. I've always been, he's always been like my favorite like creature actor. I can't believe my boyfriend is like friends with him. Like it's, it's insane. Like I am a huge fan of all the characters he's ever played and obviously a fan of Billy. And when they told me that I was going to get to paint his prosthetics, I was like, (laughs) wow. Oh my God. Obviously it wasn't like just me alone. It was like me and two other persons, but just like having like his costume, like his prosthetics, like in front of us and knowing like we were going to learn how to paint them and just being a part of it and all that stuff. It was really, really, really cool. That's incredible. Was there anything you learned like getting to work, hands-on with with those costumes and prosthetics you were that you were surprised to learn like oh that's how they did that or there's this detail here that you never would have expected yeah well definitely I think as a special effects makeup artist there's this funny thing where we say that special effect makeup artists are not usually celebrities like in the common world like if I asked my friends like what special effects makeup artist is your favorite? Like they wouldn't know a single name because we are very like behind the scenes people. Mm -hmm. We're not like actors, you know, we don't become celebrities, but within our own little community, there are people that are like celebrities to the rest of us. And one of them for sure is a Tony Gardner, who's the owner of the studio that like he, he is the one who puppeteers the the Chucky robot. Like Mm -hmm. he is the person who puppeteers him with his team. Like he was the lead makeup artist in in the first Hocus Pocus. 
he obviously is like one of those people that's like way up there and just getting to work side by side with him and learn from him like how he did the original paint scheme for Billy like all those years ago and like having him pull reference from those years back and just like really working with the original artist that made those things like the very first time. It's almost like a legacy that's that's been like resurrected and also like such an honor to be able to work with someone like that so close. That was pretty epic. That is really epic. <laughs> I, I, I feel yeah. like I'm just, it's just speechless. It's just so incredible. You got that experience <laughs> and to, to hear about it from you, truly put um, a pep in our pumpkin carriage or, or <laughs> I, try, I, was try, I, was, I was trying I to think that. of some Halloween. No, that works for me. Oh. Anna, thank you so much for taking the time to join us it's on this, this spooky Halloween night. Can you let our listeners know where they can keep up with your work? Yes. So the main place where I hang out is on my Instagram. My Instagram handle is Monsters, and it's spelled A-V-E Monsters. Basically, it's my initials, Anna Victoria <laughs> Esquivel. You know, if anybody wants to reach out to me, talk to me, if you just like listened and you liked anything I said, like, please talk to me. Like, I'm not going to bite you. I'm not a monster. <laughs> I just make them. Or if you just want to look at pictures of the monsters that I keep making, you know, would be very happy to have people come my way. So yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. Well, Anna, thank you so much again yes. for taking the time to join us. We hope you have, a, again, a wonderful Halloween. Safe travels. Yeah, thank you so much. What an absolutely dark delicacy it was to hang out with Anna. <laughs> yeah, and to hear about the tales of Chucky. Yeah, yeah, so creepy and cozy. Next, let's hear some sounds that are making us go bump in the night. <laughs> Jillian has a scandalized look on her face. That's right, it is time for some scary sounds. <laughs> oh, mine isn't scary at all. And I'm going to say that I had a really hard time with this. And I want to just put the call out to any musicians. You need to get more spooky music out there. We need to get more songs with the word pumpkin in it. I was spent, I kid you not, hours going <laughs> going through songs. I looked up apple bobbing. I looked at songs with pumpkin in it. And I did find some okay contenders, but there really wasn't anything that we haven't covered here before. I didn't want to, you know, uh, do a repeat. And I hope this pick isn't a repeat. And it's not explicitly Halloween but it's autumn and it's very just cozy and light so maybe you put it on when you're you know putting together your cute little Halloween party or you're, you want to zone out and be meditative while you're carving a pumpkin it's not very spooky and whatnot but it's very soothing and it just is a it's a little love letter to autumn so that's how I chose my pick Autumn Town Leaves by Iron and Wine is released in 2018 because when we do our Halloween episodes, we're allowed to go back in time. We you are have to yes. get something current. So. No, it's because you're absolutely correct that there just aren't that many modern no. Halloween so songs, unfortunately. And there's so many gems out there that are not as celebrated. Mine's definitely a known one. You'll, you'll, I'll hear that. You'll hear that in a minute. But I'm glad we can go back in time a little bit to this Iron and Wine song. So let's take a listen to "Autumn Town Leaves" by Iron and Wine. That's a very cozy song. I feel like I'm driving through the cornfields. Yeah, it's <laughs> during it's, harvest time, and it's not as obviously it's not as sad as his other songs. So it's it's very gentle. It's very you're not going to be sobbing <laughs> as you would maybe with a trappy swinger. Or I something wouldn't be like so that. sure, Julian. I'm sobbing right now. <laughs> yeah, I have to pick back Mac. Matt I called you Mac. <laughs> pick, <laughs> pick Matt back up from the floor. So yeah, I a sweet little song, but not spooky. I hope next year we have something. At least I have something a little bit more straight up Halloween. I, I'm 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 happy with this. I, I think it's okay. it's also just nice to have a, a solid autumnal pick. That's true. Yeah, because okay. I'm gonna go classic Halloween, and I'm a little shocked that I haven't mentioned this before during our Halloween episodes. Maybe because like back then I would think it was too obvious and now I have no shame. But we and we have a definite Disneyland theme going on for this episode. Right. We're Disney adults. Here. We're Disney adults today. 
And so the song I'm picking to um, highlight is Grim Grinning Ghosts, a.k.a. the Screaming Song, composed for the Haunted Mansion ride at Disneyland. Obviously, the song is incredibly popular. It's if you go, if you're been on that ride, it's repeated ad nauseum. So you're it's in your head forever after you go on that ride once. And I thought about it because of the recent Haunted Mansion movie that came out with Lakeith Stanfield, which I I enjoyed. And I looked back originally actually to see if there was any original music, and there kind of was. I mean, obviously the the it has a soundtrack of the instrumentals, and they have some really interesting kind of more jazzy interpretations of the song because of the New Orleans setting. And that's that's worth checking out. But for this pick, I wanted to go back to the source, to the original, with, with the music that was composed by Buddy Baker and the lyrics by Xavier Atencio. I didn't know this, but the title is a reference to a Shakespeare poem uh, titled yeah. Venus and Adonis. There's a grim grinning ghost is a line in that poem. And uh, you can definitely hear, those of you who have a keen ear for voices, the voice of Thurl Ravenscroft, amazingly spooky name, by the way, um, <laughs> who is probably most famous for singing Your Mean One, Mr. Grinch, and being the voice of Tony the Tiger. So see if you can uh, pick out his Quite voice. A Let's take a listen to Grim Grinning Ghosts. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. Or a silly spook place it by your side. Shrouded in a darkish hide. They pretend to terrorize. Grim Grinning Ghosts out to socialize. I love it. When it really picks up. Yeah, it's so it's it, I love that it takes you through all of the Halloween emotions. You have the f- funeral dirge version ringing of it. Be- ringing and, bells. Yeah. And then you it picks up into like this like bouncy kind of waltz. And it's so fun to listen to. I know some people say like they play it so much at the ride that you get sick of it. I could never get sick of this song. Yeah. I, 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 I just think- I can't I can't get enough of it. It's a great, another great background song. Or if you're a homeowner and you have trick-or-treaters coming, just leaving it on. on oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, That'd it's, be fun. I think it encapsulates like the kind of family-friendly joy of the Halloween season. I really love the song. Yeah, I like it a lot. All right. So those were our shrieking, scary sounds. It's about time, I think, Jillian, for our creepy candle review. Yes. And I have in my hands the Haunted Mansion candle from Disney. And I bought it in 2022 while I was at the theme park because I thought that we were going to do an episode on the Haunted Mansion. But yeah, then uh, they delayed the movie. Yes. <laughs> so so we never got to use it. So I just had this random Haunted Mansion candle on my side table. And I actually put down my mic for a second to open the lid because the lid is, it gets stuck. It's one of those flaws and it's actually very heavy. You can see, I could whack someone with it yeah it's like it's a really out. <laughs> it looks like a, it has like an intricate design i think it has like a almost like tombstone exterior yes. the Le- leota oh it has madame you... leota on the, on the front yeah, yeah. madame leota on the front the the lid is green it says the haunted mansion on top of it so in its typescript and it says disney so it's authentic because i'm start <laughs> i'm starting to realize that this might actually become a col- a collector thing because if you want to buy it you have to go, you can't buy it from Disney's site. You have to buy it from another site. Like and it's reseller. also a reseller. It's also on Amazon. It's, it's on eBay. I've spent 40, I think, but maybe 45 with tax. I remember it being expensive, but it's big. As you can see, it, it um, mimics a tomb. So it has, um, you know, grave markings on it. Rip Mr. Sewell, the victim of a dirty duel, peaceful rest, has Madame Leota, says, dear sweet Leota, beloved by all in regions beyond now. Yeah, some of the, some of the tombstones you see when you're in line for the yeah. ride on the outside. Thank you for crystallizing that. I was going to go over, read every tombstone. But yeah, so it, yeah, it mimics a tombstone from, from the ride. So then inside you can see there is a tunneling issue. Can you see? There is, yeah. There's a lot of wasted wax on the sides. Yep. And so I was actually had it in the freezer because I was going to carve it out and just use it as a Halloween decoration. Because uh, I only got a few lights out of this. And mm-hmm. one of the Amazon reviews was scathing. And it said that I know how to properly burn a candle, but the burns was horrible. And once you get down to the bottom, the candle doesn't light anymore. So I use a very expensive candle for not much bang for your buck. As for the scent, 
I've, I've been seeing mixed things. I've heard that's a happy haunt scent, but I have no idea what that means. I don't also don't know how to pronounce the Amazon scent because oh, Amazon yeah. oud. says oud and agarwood. Yeah. And so it smells like a sweet rotting flower, <laughs> but it also has that. that sounds like It sounds appropriate. Right. And it, it does kind of smell like an older person's perfume or an older person's home so i think that definitely gets the vibe <laughs> oh yeah it's, it just smells like perfume that maybe your grandma's expired perfume okay. it's not bad it's very it, it's pleasant it's, it sounds evocative yeah and the and the wax is a dark purple or blue so it's definitely very halloweeny i could I, it would remind me of the haunted mansion just to even have this outside thing is kind of fun and now i can repurpose it yeah just- it seems like the real deal here is getting the themed candle holder because it has all those like wonderful inscriptions and madame leota on the front and the nice heavy lid i'm no scientist but i do wonder if like the quality of the holder the way it insulated or something had something to do with with keeping that wax on the outside too cool so the heat didn't get to it and that's why you have the tunneling issue so i and i think disney does that kind of stuff quite a lot where like they're so focused on the aesthetic and so focused on just like the you know the theme of it all that they are not really looking at the functionality as much i think you hit the nail on the head it's it's a beautiful holder and all the candles that you see at disney because i looked at a bunch of them are very similar they're really heavy in weight and so maybe they're you know, missing the the scent aspect, but there was one review that I have to read before we, you know, take the flame out. So someone on Amazon said, I was very pleased with this dark green candle. It smells very musky and dark and it's perfect for any haunted mansion themed home. (laughs) Who is is living in their haunted mansion themed home? (laughs) Everything in my apartment is haunted mansion themed. That's, That's pretty funny. You need it if your if your home is man- haunted mansion theme. But anyway, it's a it's a half a wick just simply because of the holder. Yeah, that makes nice sense. Quality. Yeah. Well, thank you for you know going into downtown Disney and and braving downtown Disney to bring us back the news of what the haunted mansion candle smells like. Of course, reporting for duty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a quick scream out to all of our amazing listeners and our patrons. Remember, you can support the show at patreon.com slash all things cozy you can get access to our exclusive book club episodes as well as a winter themed mug as we're gearing up for the uh, winter holidays coming up soon but for now let's really revel in this amazing halloween time be sure to follow us as well on facebook and instagram at all things cozy podcast we hope you all have a hauntingly horrible happy halloween Stay spooky. spooky.